The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Jesus said to his disciples, In those days after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from the sky, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the end of the earth to the end of the sky. Learn a lesson from the fig tree. When its branch becomes tender and sprouts leaves, you know that summer is near. In the same way, when you see these things happening, know that he is near at the gates. Amen, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But of that day or hour no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. The Gospel of the Lord. November is a month in which our thoughts turn to the four last things. It's constantly brought before our minds in the Sunday liturgy, and it's constantly brought before us throughout the way that nature works. It's a time of the year that is the last month of the liturgical year, for our liturgical year starts with the first Sunday of Advent. It's also a time in which the leaves begin to fall off, vegetation is dying or growing dormant, and the days are going colder and darker. It is a seemingly good time to meditate and think about death, judgment, heaven, and hell. But these topics should not fill us with paralyzing fear, nor should we be all too comfortable with them. The topics of death, judgment, heaven, and hell should confront us and challenge us, but it should be all understood within the proper context of God's offer of mercy and salvation. You see, every single time the priest comes to the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass and he comes to this altar, he makes the death of our Lord Jesus Christ present here in front of us in an unbloody manner. Then, shortly after the consecration of those sacred species, he says the mystery of faith. One of the common responses to that is, we proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. That once his death is made present on this altar, we acknowledge the fact that our God sits there, stands there, is laid upon this altar, dead, risen, ascended, all the sacred mysteries before us. We profess that we'll think about our own death until he comes again. Brothers and sisters, do you do that? Are we men and women of integrity who do what we say, what we're going to do in the holy sacrifice of the Mass? Have we meditated upon our own death as we say, we profess your death and resurrection until you come again? You see, my brothers and sisters, there's a lot of phrases and sayings that we have throughout the Mass, but so often we Catholics just simply treat them as liturgical hoops to jump through to make it to the end of Mass. Brothers and sisters, they are given to us so as to inform us so as to guide us in our lives. Another common prayer that's simply neglected or skimmed over is the opening collect. You see, it's the moment when the priest standing in persona Christi as the person of Christ collects all of your individual prayers that you've brought and offers them as your sole representative before the Father to the Father on your behalf. 
collects them into one solid prayer to the Father through the Son and the Holy Spirit. Do you know when the collect is prayed? I'll give you a hint. It's right before you sit down for the first time at the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. It's immediately after the priest says those words, let us pray. As a server, those words were my cue to get the missile. As a layperson, those were my cue that, oh, these five to ten minutes of standing are almost over and I can finally sit down. The reality is, is whenever the priest says, the Lord be with you, or let us pray, they're not just mere catchphrases or cues of when to sit and stand and do different things. They're legitimate prayers and invitations. You see, my brothers and sisters, if the Lord is not with you and if you're not praying, then what are we doing here? Why are we here? But if the Lord is with us, and if we do pray, and we do something wonderful. So this morning, my brothers and sisters, when I said, let us pray, did you pray? What did you pray for? And after you prayed, did you hear what I prayed on your behalf? Does anybody know what the opening collect said? what it taught us, what it guided us to do, what it said that we would agree to. Here's what I said on your behalf. Grant us, we pray, O Lord our God, the constant gladness of being devoted to you. For it is full and lasting happiness to serve with constancy the author of all that is good. Did you say amen to the end of that? Because if you did, you said amen, so be it. I form a covenant between me and God to live that out. I fear that maybe some of us don't want to do that. Let's break it down a little bit. It's constant gladness of being devoted to you. Do you find your devotions a source of constant gladness? And it goes on and says, For it is full and lasting happiness to serve with constancy the author of all that is good. Perhaps one reason we don't find our prayer lives sources of constant gladness is because our prayer lives aren't constant themselves. Perhaps daily prayer doesn't bring us joy because it's not actually daily. It's just something we do when it's convenient. It's something that happens when we need it. The reality is is that if it's not constant, then we can't find full and lasting happiness according to the prayer we prayed. And you said amen to. Just before the prayer over the offerings, just before the preface, I will say the prayer of the offerings, and on your behalf yet again I will say, Grant, O Lord, we pray, that what we offer in the sight of your majesty may obtain for us the grace of being devoted to you and gain us the prize of everlasting happiness. Yet again, everlasting happiness is intimately related to devotion to God. In the Roman canon, Eucharistic Prayer 1, I will pray this to the Father in the person of Christ on your behalf. Therefore, Lord, we pray, Graciously accept this oblation of our service. My brothers and sisters, what service do you bring here? What service do you offer to your God in heaven, to the God who's going to come onto this altar to serve you, to be in communion with you? What service do you offer? Is it lip service? Is it inconstant service? Is it service inspired by fear of punishment? Or is it filial love? Love is of a child of a loving parent. I bring all of these up not to shame anybody, not to make anybody feel bad, but to make us aware of the reality of what's placed before us in this holy sacrifice of the Mass. We're not just lumps on a log. We are individuals sanctified by Christ and called to the glory of holiness. 
And all of that great mystery is played out here before you every single Sunday, every single holy sacrifice of the Mass. And so if you find yourself constantly giving in to distractions, now let me specify that a little bit. All of us are human and all of us will be distracted. A a child cries, a door opens, a thought goes off to work or the games or whatever, that happens. Sinful distraction is when that distraction happens and we don't allow ourselves to be brought back to the liturgical action. When we don't give in to those temptations is when we have a virtuous moment. But when we start thinking about the game and just start thinking about all the plays and then the next thing and the next thing and the next thing we know, the Mass is over. We gave in to distraction. Or we find ourselves just biding our time, waiting till the end of Mass, hoping against hope that the homily is short enough that I can get back to life soon enough. Then my brothers and sisters, you will not know full and lasting happiness of being devoted to God. If you do not serve the Lord with constancy, if we're merely just Sunday Catholics, but the rest of the week we go about our life in another way, then we lack the constancy that can actually assist us to walk towards Christ. Without constancy, our souls are crippled in their journey towards Christ. If we serve our God as just, if our service to God is one of mere convenience, then the moment that our Lord offers us a chance to be a co-redeemer with Him, offers us a share in His suffering, we will turn away sad and only find our false and fickle joys of this world. You see, my brothers and sisters, the best part about these prayers, the opening collect, the prayer of the offerings, and the prayer after communion, is that they are prayers. The, prayer, the opening collect started this way, and the prayer of the offering starts the same. Grant us, we pray, O Lord. They're invocations. They're asking God for grace because we all understand that not one of us is as constant as we want to be and not one of us has a devotion that we are okay with. That's why we beg our God for an increased desire to be constant in devotion to Him. You see, my brothers and sisters, these prayers ought to inform our hearts, ought to inform our lives, and not just be something that the priest does by himself. Every single day, our Lord Jesus Christ stands at the altar and he offers himself to the Father as the priest and victim so that you can know mercy and salvation. Every single day, Holy Mother Church, guided by the Holy Spirit, informs us as to how to be good, faithful servants of our God. If we'll just but pay attention to her teachings. Brothers and sisters, what do you desire out of the Mass? What do you desire out of a life of following Christ? Because our desires are like a floodgate to God's grace and mercy. If we desire nothing, the floodgate is closed and God's grace and mercy, it seems, can never flood into our soul and it remains dry. But if we have desires, longing to receive Jesus in the Eucharist, longing to be here at the Holy Sacrifice, the Mass, longing to be more constant in our devotion, then those floodgates can open and the grace and mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ can flood our souls. What do you desire? My desire for all of you is that your hearts can be set aflame with the love of God, with the love of the divine mystery set before you, so that with constant devotion to our God, you will know full and lasting happiness here and in the life to come. These are the mysteries set before you every single Sunday. Do you understand what is taking place? May we offer up an oblation of service that is constant and devoted, inspired by filial love. Brothers and sisters, he invites you into this great mystery. He teaches you through his church. 
and he calls you to the great glory of being saints. Will you follow his invitation?